To my younger self. 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 What's your story? Well, hello there and good morning. Good morning. How is everybody doing? My name is Zoe Baraka. Of course, it is very good to see you. Today is Tuesday, November 15th. My goodness. Who would have thought God would bring us this far? But he has. And uh, we are very grateful to be alive. We're very grateful to be here to be able to tell stories. My name is Zoe Baraka. Today, I am flying solo. <laughs> Alrighty, listen, if you can't do anything else, no matter how upset you are, no matter what's going on in life, you just have to learn how to smile through it. Good morning, Dr. Viv. It is so good to see you. How is Florida? I know it's been raging a lot of wind and some rains. Um, I hope you guys are doing well and, and you know, kind of just keeping well. Greet me in your local dialect. I want to hear from you, especially if you're, you know, in the African continent or on the African continent, no matter where you live, as long as you know how to say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night in some um, local dialect in Africa, I want to hear from you. Please put it in the comment section. And when you do join us, as I've seen a few people have joined us, please, please, please say good morning to me so I can say good morning to you. <laughs> I hope you slept well. It is good to see you. I have just greeted you uh, in Hausa and in um, Kasal, and I've just zitted over to Nigeria and greeted you in the Igbo language when I said Otutuoma <laughs> to you. I'm kind of a little over the place today, but hey, that's what storytellers do sometimes, right? In Dinao to you, I hope you're doing well. Etisang, Akwa, Baohunte, Den. I greeted you in the Ebe language and of course, also in the Akan dialect, um, a couple of Akan dialects really, the uh, the Chi, the Fanti, uh, Achim, you know, I've just greeted you and all of that. Ibella to you, Ibiorikibari to you. If you speak Moshi or Mori or Morga, I have just greeted you in that also. Saubonani to you. If you speak Zulu, it is great to see you. OJ Ko to you. If you speak God, thank you so much for joining us. Ekaru to you. Ekabo to all of our Yoruba speaking friends. Nagadev to you. To our Senegalese friends. Thank you always for joining us. Habari Gani, Habari Yawusuboy to you, to all of our Swahili speaking friends. Inyase Aloy Domilaki, I hope you slept well. It is good to see you. <laughs> what is Dr. Viv saying? Let's see what she's saying here. Um, they
today it's kind of lagging so please do forgive me chai can't write to tea in ever i hope i said <laughs> i really hope i said that right okay um beverly ross i see you thank you for joining us good morning good morning to you uh please let me know if the internet is a little off today i feel like there's a lag in there and i cannot necessarily tell kotoli to you uh if you speak fulani uh or you are fofoldi i greet you i greet you thank you so much for joining us bom dia bonjour buongiorno of course buenos dias imaraba to you um and of course to san you see okubalaba to you i've greeted you in so many different languages uh from different parts of africa i greeted you in luganda for those of you who are in uganda i greeted you in portuguese um uh, uh i greeted you in french listen we are an international platform okay especially from the african continent so yay so we all know that in recent times um a couple of films have come out and um they've kind of gone into the african continent um it sounds to me as though maybe there's no more stories to be told on some continent and so now we got to dig deep and go back into the african continent and kind of um tell stories from there and that's where we get a uh, black panther that's where we get woman king and a couple of other movies that are coming out in the box office big big box office out of hollywood and um today i thought we would do something different even though this platform is for telling personal stories i wanted us to dig a little deeper and tell some stories about people who have been in africa and in time past have gone on uh you know people who have impacted africa in in incredible ways it just turns out that most of the people that i researched on happened to be women so i've decided to entitle today's show her story it is not feminist um it's not stemming from a feminist uh point of view as in whatever men can do uh women can do better no i don't think so um i am proudly not a feminist in that way <laughs> i think that uh we are all equipped as men and women to play very distinctive roles some of them merge and some of them do not so these stories though i've picked them out um and they mostly are stories about women it is not feminist we are a platform that includes both male and female genders okay um and if you have any stories that you want us to talk about you can put it in the comment section i really do want to hear from you so please 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 do me a favor get into the comment section and tell me about some of the stories what i'm going to do today uh is i'm going to talk to you a little bit about the agoje right we've all you know seen woman king in fact black panther also um takes a little bit of their story because all the women warriors you see on black panther are supposedly the agoje warriors okay and so i'm going to read a little bit about them recently uh benin actually put up a 98 feet statue of a particular woman who um 
the Agoje supposedly come from. I do not know how accurate it is, but if Benin has put up a statute of her, then of course it is true. A whole country cannot be wrong, right? <laughs> Especially when you have presidents and historians and all that. Actually, the BBC uh, did a documentary on this particular woman also, and I wanted to throw a little bit of light on her because listen, if we're not telling our own stories, either people won't tell them tell them they wouldn't tell them right and so we have to learn how to tell our own stories this is to my younger self trying to play just a little role in this big you know uh, uh expanse so today we're going to be talking about the agoje uh good morning uh philippa i see you i see you seti it is so good to see you one of our producers on here on to my younger self and she also has incredible stories so over the cause of this today's session, which is not going to be very long, because like I said, I'll just be reading to you um, some historical figures. Um, maybe Sadinam can throw in some comments uh, and, and educate us even more. Okay. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Please do me a favor. Those of you on YouTube, those of you on um, on Facebook, please share share the link so that others can join us so we can tell incredible stories together. The first person I do want to talk to you about today is Queen Tassie. Her name is Queen Tassie. She is the woman from which um, the Agoje supposedly come from. And being who I am, I don't want to just be sitting here kind of reading to you. So I figured I would put it up together, put it on a PDF so we can read it together. And if you have any questions or comments, you can just talk to me about them in the comment section. OK, so let us just jump in. All right. Okay, for some reason I cannot see properly, so I'm gonna blow this up a little bit. Alrighty, so we're talking about the Agoje. Um, and like I did in my introduction, I said, call it mere coincidence or a masterstroke of tourism focused timing. Earlier this year, when news spread that a hundred foot tall statue of Queen Tassie Hanwe had been erected in the West African nation of Benin, one could almost hear the faint click clack of calculators adding up the revenue from future travelers inspired to visit after having seen the, the movie, The Woman King. Not much is known about how the Dahomey warriors came to be, um, however, Legend states that they were descendants of Queen Tasi Hangwe, who ruled the Dahomey Kingdom in the early 18th century after the sudden death of her twin brother. According to historian Bien Bienvenu Agoha, the first Amazon was Hangwe. Her father was King. Please forgive me. I'm going to be butchering some of these names. I tried. Okay. Huebaja, founder of the Dahomey Kingdom, and her twin brother was King Akaba. In 1708, oh my God, Africans, we go way back from the beginning of civilization, okay? In 1708, after the death of her brother Agaba, following a long illness, Hangwe was silently installed as the head of the military. And after coming back from her military campaigns, she was publicly proclaimed Queen of Dahomey. But she reigned for only three years as she was forcibly removed from the throne by her other brother, Agaja. Hangwe was all for women during her short but powerful reign. 
She urged women to engage in farming and go hunting, two activities that were at the time solely for men. And being a fearless warrior who led men and women in battle, she gradually formed an all-women battalion that became known as the Dahomey Amazons. The Amazon warriors were recruited and trained from their earliest childhood, and thanks to their fierce training, they became more efficient warriors than the men at that time. During wars, they were ruthless and could behead their enemies. These gallant female warriors served as royal bodyguards to Hanbei and the kings who came after. King Gezo, who ruled over Dahomey from 1818 to 1858, officially integrated, um, integrated the Amazons into the army. During his reign, the legendary Se Dong Hong Be was the head of the Amazons. The Amazons would bring King Gezo prisoners and he would deliver those prisoners to a slave merchant from Brazil in exchange for guns, gunpowder, tobacco, and of course, alcohol because we always need alcohol. I don't know why. This part of the story kind of peeves me up a little bit, but we're not gonna go there. This enabled the Dahomey Kingdom to strengthen its power according to an article by DW's African Roots. All in all, the Dahomey warriors were respected protectors of their kingdom and strategic leaders. Their drills and military parades were always performed to dancing, music, and songs, and their weapons were sometimes used as choreographic props. As expressed in their songs, their goal was to outshine men in every respect. Oh. I have opinions about that. You cannot outshine men in every respect. You know what I mean? And men cannot outshine women in every respect. It's impossible. Like I said, because we all just kind of have our own strengths. It's not possible. But anyway, this is just me telling the story with the bare facts as they are, so I would not inject my own opinions into them, okay? Okay, so as I said, as expressed in their songs, their goal was to outshine men in every respect. And European travelers observed that they were better organized, swifter, and much braver than male soldiers. As such, the king would send them to war as opposed to their male counterparts, and European soldiers would also hesitate to kill them as they were often young women. Now that part, that's very strategic. The women also enjoyed privileged relations with the king, or rather the king enjoyed <laughs> relations with these women, you know what I mean? Um, swearing to celibacy and living in the royal palace, which only the king and his entourage had access to. As a testament to their power, women servants rang little bells to warn the people of the women soldiers' presence, and inhabitants were required to move aside, bow, and avert their eyes. The Dahomey women's army only became defunct when the Dahomey kingdom fell at the end of the 19th century. According to UNESCO, after two months of fighting and previously broken accords between the French and Dahomey, the king of Dahomey at that time, Behanzin, took flight and set fire to most of the royal palaces, marking an end of the kingdom of Dahomey and its army of women in 1892. The Dahomey king was later arrested, deported to Martinique, then Algeria, where he died. 
Dahomey then became a French possession between German Togo and British Nigeria until Benin declared independence in 1960. The Dahomey Amazons are today seen as a symbol of female emancipation, but they were largely forgotten until recently when the movie, of course, like I said, Black Panther highlighted their amazing prowess in war. The descendants of the Amazons also still keep their traditions alive in present day Benin. Reports say the role of the current Queen Hanway and her Amazons is largely ceremonial, presiding over religious rituals that take place at the temple near her home in Abome, the former capital of Dahomey Kingdom and now a city in southern um, Benin. One of the fun facts that I said, I, I found out was, of course, the multi-Grammy award winner, Angelique Kijo, is from Benin. Also, Benin's formidable lawyer and four-time presidential candidate, Marie-Elise Bedo, did speak to the BBC in a very informative documentary, The Dahomey Warriors of Benin, and how these powerful women, of course, conquered and instilled fear. Another not-so-fun fact is that in uh, Benin, of course, 70% of women today are victims of domestic violence. Someone might be asking, Zoe, why are you doing this? It's um, kind of a little, uh, you know, you, you, you shouldn't be telling the story in, in this way, you know, you're, you're putting everything out there. Um, the reason why I'm doing this is for those people who um, um, go to see these movies, sometimes we see the movies we with rose-colored glasses because the movie doesn't give you all of the background. These stories don't give you all of the history and the, the, the reasons why things came to be the way they were at the time and why we are where we are right now as Africans. So of course I thought today I would take time and kind of just, you know, tell you a little bit of history. Uh, good morning to Ralia, I see you. Good morning, how is Switzerland? Uh, good morning, Doris. Oh, thank you so much. I know you're watching live from school. Please tell everybody in your school, we said hello from to my younger self. It is so good to see all of you. Uh, here is a statute of Queen Tassie. Look how huge this is. And just look how incredibly beautiful this woman is. And the regality and the power with which she's standing, it just amazes me. I thought I would show you um, just what an incredible feat the Beninois have done to her or for her. I think that Africans should just begin to acknowledge who our ancestors are um, and the power with which they ruled and are still ruling. Uh, if we're not able to tell our stories from the past, we will never find our way. And this has been the African dilemma because we don't know who we are, most of us don't. And if we don't know who we are, where are we going? Where are we going, right? Um, the world has completed telling most of their stories except for Africa. There are so many stories that can be told. Um, signs all of the sex and um, loud shouting and, and uh, backbiting and betrayal and all of that, you know, um, we have some incredible stories and Quintassi is one of the people that you want to, to, to definitely know about. Um, 
I don't know that in The Woman King, for example, Queen Tassie was maybe portrayed by Naniska. For those of you who saw The Woman King, I do not know that. So I don't have any information about that. But whoever Queen Tassie is or whoever Queen Tassie was, she was definitely an incredible woman. And she did she did some very, very powerful things for Benin and, of course, the Dahomey Kingdom and, um, of course, the continent of Africa. Here is a closer look. I like the detail of this. You know, some people think that Africans, we kind of just like to swing on trees. <laughs> and that we don't have the capacity to think for ourselves. But if this statute, if anything to go by, you know this woman was dressed intelligently, okay? She was dressed with thought. She was dressed with acumen and accuracy. Um, and so we tip our hats off to Queen Tassie today onto my younger self. Um, and if she were alive today, I tell you, we would have been trying to get her to be on here to tell us some very deep personal stories. So here's a challenge for you. For those of you who are historians, in fact, it's a challenge for me. This is something I definitely want to do. I want to be able to find people who can tell me about Queen Tassie so we can tell even more stories about her. Okay. So that is the first person I wanted to talk to you about today. The next person I'm going to be talking to you about comes to us from Ghana. Um, there's about, yeah, there's two Guinean women that I would like to talk to you about. Good morning, Dixis. Elsie, I see you. How is Canada? Thank you so much for joining us. Again, guys, um, please, please go into the comment section and um, just tell me what you think about what you just heard or... Maybe you read along with me, so yes. And for those of you joining us on YouTube, I ask you to please, please, please just share, share, share. Where is everybody today? There's only like four people watching. What's going on? <laughs> I am not excited about the numbers today at all, but we keep pushing no matter who is in the room, okay? So today, uh, who are we talking about next? We're going to be talking about a lady whose name is Melody Millicent Dankwa, okay? And uh, you'll know why in a minute. You'll know why in a minute. And I'll read about her to you. So Melody Millicent Dankwa was born in Latte in Ikriapim, Ghana on 6th January 1937. She passed away on the 18th of March 2016. Oh, God bless her. She lived long. The reason why I like this thing that we're doing is we're not just going deep down into history. We're bringing it also very close to home, okay? She was a pilot and theologian. She was the first female pilot in Ghana as well as a sub-Saharan African. She was among the first women enlisted into the Ghana Air Force as pilots in 1963 under Osagifo Dr. Kwame Nkrumah's regime. On 22nd June 1964, let me tell you, all good things happen in June. <laughs> Every good thing happens in June. <laughs> she flew a solo for the first time in um, a de Havilland Canada DHC-1 chipmunk aircraft, becoming the first Ghanaian to fly an airplane solo. Oh my goodness. Can you believe that? 
We tip our hats off to you, Melody Millicent. What an incredible woman. In October 1964, she became the only student pilot allowed some 10 minutes of solo flying time during the Air Force Day organized in Takaradi, where she ended with a spotless landing to the uh, admiration of many, including Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. She became a certified pilot in 15th April, on 15th April 1965. After her retirement, she received a Long Service Award and the Efficiency Medal in 1984. In 1997, at age 60, she obtained her diploma in Bible studies and theology and began preaching the gospel within the, uh, the, the, the military circles. She was honored with the Companion of the Order of the Vulture in 2006 for being a courageous pace setter. My goodness. Again, where are the storytellers? I am kind of just touching on these incredible people so that the storytellers of Africa can tell stories. Um, I think a, a film made about this incredible woman would suffice. Um, people want to hear about these stories. For any woman in today's uh, uh, dispensation, even today, who is probably in 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 study, trying to be a, a lawyer, a lawyer, trying to be a pilot, trying to be something that was supposedly predominantly only done by men, this woman should be an inspiration to you. We tip our hats off to Millicent today. We thank you for your service. And even though you're past and gone, I know your children are still alive and well. Your grandkids are alive and well. Your family members are alive and well. If any of them happens upon this particular piece, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Um, and again, for storytellers out there, get together, form a, this is me dreaming, form a script writing, I don't know, ideation theme and start thinking about these stories. I think it's important. Yes, maybe money's not in the world right now, but stories will always live on. You know what I mean? <laughs> All righty. So we're going to jump on to the next woman, also from Ghana. I may be biased to Ghana a little bit. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> Hi, Lady Juliet. It is so, so good to see you. Today, I am flying solo and I am just telling stories about um, great Africans that once lived. Okay, these are stories that are normally not heard. Um, these are stories that are not on big screens. Uh, these are people who did incredible things and were never really acknowledged. And I thought, hey, we have an opening slot. Why not? Zoe likes to talk, so she's going to come in and just kind of talk. So welcome, welcome, Lady Juliet. It is so good to see you. The next lady I'm going to be talking to you about today is Grace Salome Kwame. Uh, she was born in 1923, and she passed away in 2006. So Grace Salome Kwame was undoubtedly a forerunner of modern art in the colonial Gold Coast now. Ghana. Can you believe that? These, these people lived in Africa and they did mind-blowing things. What that tells me is it doesn't matter where you are geographically. If you put your mind to a thing, no matter what it looks like, even when they say the opportunities are not there, if you want to do something, you will find a way. Like 
um, that saying goes, wherever there is a will, there is a way. Something has got to give, and Grace definitely did that. Grace Salome Abrakwami was born at Warawara, Ghana, in 1923. Grace Kwame's love for, day, for clay revealed itself in her early childhood when she was able to model all sorts of fruits and vegetables at the age of four. Now, think about that. She was born in 1923. This means this was probably happening uh, by 1927 in Gold Coast, not even Ghana. This is Gold Coast. Again, I'm not going to go on a rant. I'm just going to read so you can make an informed decision for yourself. She attended the Women Teachers Training College at of the Basel mission at Agogo. Oh, I love the word Agogo. <laughs> and taught art and craft after she gained a teacher certificate A from the training college. In 1951, Grace entered the Kumasi College of Art, now Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, KNUST, and later on worked at the National Museum Accra as an artist and sculptor from 1954 to 1957. This means that even then we had not gained independence yet and segregation was very much alive then. Um, when I say segregation, most Ghanaians know where they still had you know, Caucasians here and uh, Ghanaians there, and this is not for Ghanaians and that's for Ghanaians. We saw it happen in apartheid South Africa. We saw it happen even here in the United States. So it's not a new word. It happened in Ghana too, okay? So, but this woman was still thriving even in those circumstances. That's something incredible. She was among the first women to undertake an academic training in fine art. She's my hero. I love this woman, which presaged her lifelong professional career in the teaching and making of art. In the absence of female role models, she shaped a practice characterized by a strong domestic sense, maternal sensitivity, and local affinities. She was an intuitive rather than reflective feminist. I like that. I think it's better to be an intuitive feminist because then it allows you to realize that there are some things, no matter who you are as a woman, you just can't do it. Only men can and vice versa, right? She was involved with the Sankofa art movement. Anyone remember the Sankofa art movement? I mean, I think it's still alive and, and, and thriving right now, um, but she was involved in it. She probably is one of the founders, okay? A group made up of various artists, including names as Kofi Antubam. I don't know if anyone knows Kofi Antubam. Oku Ampofo, I don't know that guy. Vincent Kofi and Theododia Oko, as well as politicians who saw art as a tool for expressing the nation's identity, beliefs, and statehood. So, as I just mentioned these names, Kofi Antubam and, and, you know, Vincent Kofi, these, again, this is opportunity for incredible storytelling in Africa. Can you imagine if every filmmaker in Africa, yes, the arts are strong, but if we all just decided to take one name and tell an incredible story about them and put them on film. I'm just an advocate, so 
you know. <laughs> Grace Salome Abraquami made a series of drawings in pen and ink on paper, bas relief, and ceramic sculpture with overtones of Ghanaian customs. She also drew and sculpted figures, some life-sized, did printmaking, designed textiles, and created sculptures from natural materials such as gods. My goodness. <laughs> the year 2022, of course, is an opportune time to recover her story because it resonates so clearly with three topical moments. The resurgence of figurative imagery, especially Black figuration, the recovery of independence-era African art. We all saw what happened when the Queen of England um, passed away. Um, so many things Africans began to claim and lay hold on the, you know, on the crown because kind of didn't belong to us. <laughs> oh, God. Um, of course, um, and the heightened inclusion of clay and ceramic art forms in contemporary art as seen, for example, for those of you who were able to attend the Biennale Art in uh, this 2022, I know you definitely saw that. My good friend, Ibrahim Mahama, I know you were there just in case you happen to, you know, uh, kind of see this show. You can tell us a little bit about it one day. The Milk of Dreams, the 59th International Exhibition in Venice. Her work is in public and private collections, including the National Museum of Ghana, Accra, the Volta Regional Museum, Ho, GMMB Europe, and of course, good old United States of America. So Grace um, has not been lost to us. I'm going to share some of her, her art with you. Look at this. Look what Grace did. This piece she titled Malam. And she probably did this piece, um, you know, in the 1950s. Look how detailed this is. I wonder how much um, art like this would be going for in today's currencies. But if she did this back then with just clay and dirt and however she found her colors, I don't even know. But look at this incredible thing. Just look at it. Grace did that. Why can't we tell her story, right? Um, here's another one of Grace Salome's work. Just look at that. You cannot tell me art and um, inquisitiveness and originality and creativity cannot thrive in Africa. It can. It really can. <laughs> so, yes, I've told you a little bit about Grace Salome Kwame. Listen, if you know about anybody um, that you want to kind of just know a little bit more about um, or you want to research a little deeper, we're just kind of throwing these ideas out there so that more stories can come out of Africa. Um, it is my passion. It is my dream. The dream is big. I want a huge studio somewhere out in the outskirts of Burkina Faso where we're making movies about these people, personal stories like this, okay? Um, if you've seen uh, Martin Luther King, I mean, they've probably done at least three different renditions of this story. Um, Ali Mohammed has the same. All these incredible people have different filmmakers telling their story from different angles. So not only um, 
You don't need one person telling Grace's story. Five people can tell Grace's story. Someone can tell Grace's story as a married woman. Someone can tell Grace's story as an artist. Someone can tell her story as a national monument and so on and so forth, okay? Kofi, it is so good to see you, my dear. Uh, how is Ontario this morning? It is, I'm sure it's probably very cold, right? Because it's very cold here today. The next person I'm gonna talk about like I said, today's show is, it's different, so roll with me. But this woman that I'm about to talk to you about is my absolute favorite, favorite person to talk about. Um, coming to us from out of Burkina Faso. And for those of you who know Zoe just a little better, you know why I'm excited about talking about Burkina Faso. Um, and if I ever, ever made a film um, that goes deep, deep down in history, like, you know, Queen Tassie and the Dahomey Queens, uh, or that becomes very, very big, like the Black Panther and the Woman King, it would be about this woman. And so I'm throwing it out there to the universe, right? <laughs> this next person I want to talk to you about, drum roll, can somebody guess? Please guess, guess, guess. It's coming from out of Burkina Faso. Can you guess? Can you guess? All right, nobody's guessing, so I'm going to just go with it. It is Yeninga. <laughs> ah, I am so in love with this woman. Sometimes I think I channel her a little bit because she loved horses, and I love horses. So, of course, you know, Yeninga is my girl. She's my girl. So we're gonna, I'm going to read about Yeninga to you. Uh, a lot of research on her. And uh, it's probably going to be a lot more detailed than the last three people because I put my soul into this one. Not that I didn't put soul into the other three, except when you're excited about something, you kind of just do more, you know? So Yeninga is my favorite, favorite, absolute favorite African um woman in the past. And uh, so, yeah, here we go. Yaninga, an emblematic figure in Burkina Faso, is the mother of Wedralgo, the first Morga, Chiftian and founder of the dynasties of the Moshi Chiftians. She is thought to have lived between the 14th and 15th centuries. Oh, I wish I could have met her. Yaninga was the daughter of the king of Gambaga. For those of you in Ghana or from Ghana, you know where Gambaga is, right? And you know the history of Gambaga. So yeah, an, era, an area in the northern part of the present day Republic of Ghana. Her father raised her to be a skilled hunter and fighter. She was beautiful. Her name Yaninga means the slim, referring to her beauty and became a cultural icon, a woman with a strong character and an independent mind and beloved princess who from the age of 14 fought in battle for her father against the neighboring Malinkes. Skilled with javelins, spears, and bows, she was an excellent horsewoman. Yes! <laughs> excellent horsewoman and commanded her own battalion. Yaninga was such an important fighter that when she reached a marriageable age, her father refused to choose a husband for her or allow her to marry. To express her unhappiness to her father, Yaninga planted a field of wheat. When the crop grew, she let it rot. She explained to her father that 
That was how she felt, being unable to marry. Nedega failed to be moved by this gesture and locked his daughter up. Mm. By the way, Nedega is her father's name. One of the king's horsemen helped Yaninga, disguised as a man, escape on her stallion. Attacked by Malinkes, her companion was killed and Yaninga was left alone. She continued to ride north. One night, when she was exhausted from crossing a river, Yaninga's stallion took her into a forest. She met and befriended a solitary elephant hunter called Riali. When he saw through Yaninga's disguise, of course they fell in love. Any wonder this is one of my favorite stories. They fell in love. Yaninga and Riali had a son they named Quadrago, which means stallion and is now a common name in Burkina Faso. Widrago visited his grandfather, King Nadega, who had been searching for Princess Yanunga over the years. Widrago and his sons founded the prestigious centuries-old lineage of the Moshi chieftains. Their descendants still to this day embody political power among the Moshi in Burkina Faso. Yaninga has become a legendary figure and a national emblem in the country, a personification of the female warrior and the independent woman. She is often portrayed defiantly on horseback as if nothing, neither society, tradition, nor paternal authority could stand in the way of her freedom of spirit. Yaninga is considered by the Moshi to be the mother of their empire and many statutes of her can be found, of course, in the capital city of Burkina Faso, Ouagadougou. Ouagadougou. <laughs> For anybody that was uh, in NAFTI with me, which is the National Film and Television Institute with me uh, when I was in school there, you would understand the word Ouagasaga <laughs> when we used to go to Burkina Faso. <laughs> A statute of a golden stallion called the Etalon the Yaninga is awarded as the first prize in the biennial Pan-African Film and Television Festival of Ouagadougou, which is the FESPACO. I myself have I've had the pleasure of going to FESPACO at least two times, and my goodness, I think it's one of my favorite places on earth. Around that time, just going to Fespaco every two years. Oh my goodness, you just got to meet incredible people from all around the world for a whole week. I'm getting emotional because you got, you saw everything. I learned how to play the xylophone. You know, it was little itty bitty xylophones and you got to play on them. It was one of the first countries where I saw Mercedes Benzes used as taxis. <laughs> it was incredible to me, like, oh my God, these people, you know, and they just knew how to enjoy life. Burkina Bays are incredible people. Anyway, I'm not gonna keep, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll stop. The national football team is nicknamed Les Italians or Les Italians, the Stallions in reference to Yanenga Stallion. Since 2017, a project of a new city is in progress near Ouagadougou and will be called Yanenga. Fun fact, 
Moshi is the plural of Morga in Mori, one of the main languages spoken in Burkina Faso. Moshi people account for a large part of the population in the country today. And of course, yours truly has a lot of her, her roots in uh, Burkina Faso. Um, by marriage um, and also just by heritage because my mom's people did come from Burkina Faso, which makes sense. If you see all my uncles, they're like stallions, they're tall and regal and, you know, just incredible, incredible looking. We are the Moshi people. <laughs> and that is why Yaninga is very, very close, very, very dear to my heart. And uh, let's see, I think I had a few, um, kind of portrayals or depictions of uh, Yanenga here. Let's see. There it is. Look at that stallion. Ah, and just look at the... And I know she probably didn't look anything like this. Nobody really knows what she looked like um, because of record keeping, I guess. But whoever drew this, I think did her justice. Um, she just was a fierce woman and I really loved the opportunity to tell her story one day very, very soon. Here is another depiction of Yaninga with her spear. Um, I think her bow and arrow and also her javelins. Um, when I saw the haircut, I said, no wonder I went, you know, I went sh side shaving. It was probably this ancestor of mine. <laughs> drawing me in you know what i mean just fierce 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 yes lady juliet you are absolutely right fierce fierce painting um and that kind of brings me to the end of today's to my younger self i don't know exactly what i'm telling my younger self today um like i said we are kind of we're kind of just rolling with the punches. There's a lot going on in the background of me that I can't necessarily talk about right now, but there's a lot going on. So today I just thought we'll take a chill pill and kind of educate ourselves um, and talk about people from our past. If there's anything I would tell my younger self, it would be to be more, to pay attention to the decisions I am making. That's what I would tell my younger self. And if I was paying attention, I would probably be making the Yaninga movie by now. Because <laughs> that woman has lived in my heart, even without my knowledge, for a very, very, very long time. I bumped into her because my uncle, Uncle Yidana, told me about her um, about a year and a half ago. But looking back, her name has always floated around me, but I wasn't paying attention. So what I would tell my younger self is pay attention, pay attention. What would you tell your younger self? Um, I know most of you are very involved in your callings in life. My calling as a, um, as a filmmaker would be to not just let any story slip by me just because in my mind, it didn't seem powerful enough. Every story counts. And yes, um, Sadi, you're absolutely right. Just powerful women, resilient, strength, and courage. Um, so for all of the women that are watching today, what would you tell your younger self based on these stories you have heard? You've heard 
these uh, you've seen these women go through incredible challenges. In some ways, I'm talking to myself because when you think about Queen Tassie and you think about Grace Salomon, you think about Millicent uh, Melody, they did not have it easy. They didn't have technology. They didn't have, you know, itty bitty little phones like this that they could just call someone and ask for advice. They didn't have a lot of the amenities that we have right now. And yet they mounted up some incredible campaigns of their lives. Some became pilots, some became artists, some became warriors and trained other warriors that now Hollywood is talking about. I guess what I would also tell you is, and I'm telling myself this, no matter what you're going through, it is not insurmountable. I'm drawing my strength from these women and many, many, many others. I'm drawing strength from these people. Not only women, I mean, think of Kwame Nkrumah, think of um, Sankara, think of, um, I'm thinking about the guy from Kenya. Um, but there's just so many people who went through incredible things. In Chinua, Chibe, all of them, they lived to tell a story and they told the story very well. So pay attention, pay close attention to what's happening in your life. Uh, these women went through shifts and when shifts happen, move with it. There's a saying that the only thing that is stronger than a rock is a river because of its persistence. And if pain has touched a river once, it cannot touch it twice. Because you cannot touch the same water twice, it's impossible, right? So I guess today I just came to talk to you and, and, and tell you about these stories. And that's it for me. If you left me, I would talk about so many other people that I know um, their stories about in Africa. I'm really, really looking forward to when we have, sis, you're speaking to all of us women. Yes, yes, I am. And I'm not leaving the men out because, you know, when you think about King Gezo, for example, in, 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 uh, in Queen Tassie's story, when you think about Riella in Yanenga's story, and I'm sure Grace Salome had a lot of other men that were pushing her through. And I'm sure uh, when you think about Kwame Nkrumah in uh, Melody Millicent's story, there were men standing behind these women, not pulling them down, but actually pushing them to go forward. And those men, I acknowledge and I tip my hat off to them. They did incredible. And so if you're a woman out here and there's a man by you that is pushing your dream, helping you get to the top, don't take it for granted. Don't think you're too big enough, too big for anyone to help you. They were meant to help you, not because you're special, because they too are telling their stories by helping you. You know what I mean? Um, so we're not leaving the men out. Except, and I don't know why all of these stories just kind of happened to be about women as I was doing the research, but this is it. And so for every woman out there, stay persistent. No matter what's going on, just keep moving. And if you can't do anything at all, keep smiling. It helps.
okay? Alrighty, Beverly says what? Yes, words of wisdom. Pay attention to what you do and say. Listen, guys, I know today's, today's show is a little, you know, because everyone comes here looking for another person's story, not to listen to Zoe talking and talking 50 minutes in. It's crazy, right? But um, this is where we are. So that's what we're going to do. Next week, though, we're going to have a guest who is going to be telling us personal stories, as always. We're going to be having Eugenia Tichimensen here. Um, and uh, she's just going to share personal stories with us. I'm very excited about that. I cannot wait to hear her stories. So yes, 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 yes. Um, just kind of spread the word. We'll put out some information about you know, her coming, you see some flyers and all that great stuff. Um, this week, it was just me. As always, in the same vein, as we just talked about these incredible, incredible Africans or African women and their stories, um, the only way we can keep this vibe going is if we're supporting each other, um, is if we're kind of saying, I was telling my friend the other day, I went to a supermarket. And I wanted to do a Benkoin, for those of you who know what a Benkoin is. <laughs> and I saw two cans on the shelf. I picked one up and I looked around it. I couldn't tell where it was made. I didn't know, you know, because it was a Spanish shop, so I, I wasn't sure. But the other one said very boldly on it, made in Ghana. And for all intents and purposes, when I brought it home and made the soup, it was nasty. <laughs> because the pulp itself was disgusting. It was just not good. But the point is this. It was made in Ghana. And so I bought it anyway. Of course, when I was buying it, I didn't know it was bad. But I still made it when I, you know, opened the can and I realized how terrible it was. I didn't throw it out. I, made, I, I used it. And um, the soup didn't count, come out that great, but I still used it. Why? Because it was made in Ghana. Let us learn to stay fiercely loyal to us. You know what I mean? I think it's very important that we learn to stay fiercely loyal to us. Um, for any African-American that, is that is watching, I mean you too. Because when we go deep, deep, deep down in history somewhere, we all come from the same place, okay? Um, and yes, uh, said you're right. It probably had been on the shelf longer than it should have. And um, there was no expiration date on it. And so, you know, it, it was a lot. But let us support um, made in Africa things, not made in Ghana, made in Africa things. And let us support people who are doing incredible things from out of Africa or from the diaspora going into Africa. In that vein, I will um, tell you to please support Where Ghana. Where Ghana is nine years old today. Yay! Congratulations, Abna and your team. Um, it is so incredible to see you guys grow. I know Abna went through a few things this week, just trying to get from Addis Ababa to um, Ghana. It was, and I think it was in Egypt. Something happened with her air transfer uh, or her air air travel. I mean. Abna, I am so sorry you had to go through that, but God raised a village for you, and I know you're home and you're doing well. Congratulations to Where Ghana on your ninth 
anniversary. It is incredible. Go on and keep growing, okay? And we'll keep supporting from wherever we are. Humanity Chats by Margie Marge, my big sister Margie Marge, who is doing incredible things herself um, out of the United States every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. You want to jump on uh, Humanity Chats page, both on YouTube and Facebook, and hear her interview people from all walks of life. So you know how to my younger self is catered to African storytellers and storytelling. Um, Marge speaks to people all around the world. This is the difference of uh, the shows and why we can, I mean, even if she was doing the same thing as to my younger self, or, or if I was doing the same thing as her, there is no reason why we can't support each other. There is, as she always says, enough room at the top for every single one of us. So please check Margie Marge out. Um, Kua Designs by the very, very beautiful Ruby. She's doing incredible things, Kua, uh, from out of Ghana. Please, please look her up. Christmas is coming. It's right around the corner. You want some beautiful gifts at affordable prices for your loved ones. Of course, R&D Collections by Rachel Dodu. Uh, definitely here in Gastonia, you want to patronize Rachel. I'm patronizing her. Well, somebody helped me by getting me a couple of things from her store and I'm hooked. <laughs> so definitely Rachel Dodu, you wanna uh, patronize her. Music for your quality feet, but by our good old uncle Eckhoff show and his team, you want, you definitely want to reach out to uh, Music for Your Quality Feed every Sunday at 4 p.m. No matter what you're going through, you will end up lighthearted on Sunday evenings because of the good music, incredible fun, and just banter and dancing and laughter. It's, it's so great. So you want to patronize Music for Your Quality Feed Ryle by Designs uh, from Nyack, New York. You do want to patronize her. Um, Avonzige Bridal for those of you who are getting married or you're looking for formal wear. Let me tell you, this girl, she's coming on to my younger self very soon and you'll get to see some of her designs. It would blow your mind. You will be mind blown. Um, Keys and Credo by Nana Sapon. Nana Sapon also comes to us from the camp of Music for Your Quality Feet. So sometimes when I'm talking about Music for Your Quality Feet, I automatically think I've talked about Nana Sapon. But he himself is doing incredible things, not only with his design, Designs, but also uh, with his travel and tourism, uh, you know, kind of business. He he knows how to just take people to Ghana and and show them a good time. Um, the same thing is being done by the girl with the red hair, our very own uh, Noeki, who is also an incredible. Um, um, I think I don't want to use the word tourist guide, but essentially that's what they both do. So if you want to go to Ghana especially if you've never been to Ghana, you want to reach out to, to Nweki and you want to reach out to Keys and Credo. Of course, our big brother, Nana Redamwa, is doing incredible things um, with Book Nuke. And actually this year, what he has sorted to do is to send 100 books to 16 schools all across Ghana. And it is underway. Um, I forgot to put up I forgot to put up that information, but for those of you who definitely want to donate or, you know, sponsor a school or even if the, the school you want to sponsor is not on uh, on their list, I know they will accommodate you. All you have to do is send them your donation and say, send this amount of books 
to this school in this part of Ghana and you can consider it done, okay? So that's what Big Brother Nana Redamwa is doing. For those of you, uh, if I didn't mention your name, please, it is not out of slight. You know, this is us just kind of supporting each other. Um, I want to say a big thank you to everyone who has donated to, to my younger self. It's It's been a very stormy, <laughs> I can't tell you how stormy it's been on the To My Younger Self camp. Um, sometimes it takes all of my strength and all of my mental acuity um, to wake up and make up, put a smile on my face and sit here. Um, and so for everyone that's been donating, for everyone that's you know sending us um, a word of encouragement, a, a, a knowing smile, a, 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 just anyone that's helping us in one way or another, Thank you. Thank you. There's so many of you in the village and I appreciate each and every one of you. Of course, a big thank you to um, Auntie Esther uh, Odamtin, uh, Rose Machayo Ropa, Jane Fiorito, Mr. EKD, and of course, Araba. Thank you guys for your constant prayer and constant donation. It's like clockwork and we do not take it for granted. You've you you have helped us go through some things you will never know about, but one day those stories will be told. Guys, I didn't think I could do it, but apparently I can. I can talk uninterrupted for one hour <laughs> with no breaks. Oh my God. Well, I guess that's my talent. So, you know, it's been great. My name is Zoe Baraka. I'm going to sign off now. Um, and please, please, please join us again next week. Tell your friends uh, to just join us, okay? It's okay to be in a dry season. It always gets watered back down. Okay? Alrighty. My love to you and to your family. Um, enjoy your week. Remember to stay sharp and be attentive. My name is Zoe Baraka. It's always love. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye.